Today on Earth's program, we bring you the story of three facts. <laughs> we see the real human consequences of people spending far too long reading stuff on the internet. <laughs> WBEZ Chicago, it's fun fact. <laughs> Stay with us. So I'm going to start things with a musical fact I've been getting more into playing music. Mm, that's cool. Soothes my soul. And so I have a fun fact. A bass has the same notes as a guitar, just one octave lower. Yeah. Isn't that cool? I don't know if you know this, Alan, but my uh, my my college years uh, were spent studying music. I have heard, we've that I think we've briefly touched on that, but I don't know much about that background. Yeah. So that's how I imagine you know this fact. That's how I know but this I, fact. I did not know. That's how you know that fact. I played guitar for years and did not know this. <laughs> I was in a band, like not a real band, but like a, a jam with some friends. Back They're all real friends. bands. They're all real yeah. bands, Brent. Um, Wait, hold on. Did you say not a, a real band, with... a jam band? Well, no, okay, not that kind of jam band. <laughs> I was not in Fish. You're not in Fish or Dave Matthews Band or uh, other the Grateful, the Grateful Dead. Dead. Are there any other ones besides those three? Joking, joking, everybody out there. Yes, I know. <laughs> I know that there Please are more. Please send jam band comments to. Please send me all your um, sweet jam band. I was a, I was a fan. There's some Grateful Dead I like, and I was a fan of of the Dave Matthews Band when I was much younger. Yeah, I enjoy. Well, I one of the albums we used to listen to a lot when I was young was the first Dave Matthews Band. That's their album. best album. Well, I mean, yeah, Fun I don't know fact. if that's like a controversial claim. <laughs> it's the best Dave Matthews under the table and dreaming. Really good album. It's by far but then the apparently best. there's this whole culture of like going to live shows and like getting into fights or something. I don't. And so getting like, into fights. Some. So I don't know. Some online quiz. I asked me about my music tastes yeah. and then it basically was like, oh, you must be like a douche canoe because you like Dave Matthews band. And I'm like, what? What does this have to do with anything? Well, so this is actually about it. This is the problem with Dave, Dave Matthews band and a lot of things in life. But but also <laughs> Dave Matthews band is that I liked the band, but I didn't like the fans of the band. Right. But if I'm a fan of the band but, and you're a fan. No, of the I, band, I went to concerts a, a, a few times. Like oh, I did. Okay. So you're like a more advanced. And I me. and I had tapes that you know of live shows and stuff i was really into dave matthews band circa 15 or something and i but i just thought all the other fans seemed awful mm -hmm. but now i know two people and actually i think friend of the show casey list famously also a dave matthews band fan so you know yeah so we could make a we could make an could alternate get, fandom yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. and then we just have exclusive shows that's can right have the, like, how much do you think it costs to book dave for just the three of us <laughs> <laughs> I bet we could find four or five other good. Dave okay, Matthews band fans. if you're a good Dave Matthews Band fan out there, reach out to Alan, Alan at FunFact.fm. We'll be organizing something. Um, I think we may be slightly off topic, <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Okay, so the bass. So I used to jam with some friends, <laughs> and uh, a few years ago, we had our, uh, you know, we have had a uh, trend over the years in this group that we'll play there's like the the me and uh, and the lead guitarist and the drummer and then we would always need a bass player and like i guess this is kind of like a trope that go, goes all the way back to like spinal tap but there's like the one band member that rotates that always like you're needing to replace and for us it was always the bass player so we were on our like third or fourth bass player and one time the bass player wasn't showing up um kind of un unex relatively unexpectedly and so one of the guys said well why don't we rent a bass and then we can then we can like try it and i was like uh i don't know if that's gonna be useful because i literally never played a bass let alone learned like the fingering and the, like tuning to play a bass 
But uh, then they were like, no, it's just, it's exactly the same. You literally already know it. (laughs) And I felt like I had a superpower that I I wasn't aware of. It just sounded like more epic. (laughs) I mean, there is some, uh, there are some differences. Yeah. I mean, like the strings are thicker. They're a little bit more spaced out. You tend to play them differently. You tend to play them differently for sure. You don't have to. But like, if you know power chords on a guitar, which is like. Oh, you could totally rock power chords on If you grew up in the 90s. Right, you, could you don't, totally you don't even need to do the whole power chord shape. You can just do a one finger power chord on the bass, and it sounds like good. And and then also, if you know the power chord, you know the locations of the other two notes that are sound good I, with that. I guess it really note. depended on what kind of music it was you were playing. But yeah, I weren't. We're doing like I mean, you weren't less Claypool stuff. over here. I understand that, but like, no, you know. this is not advanced jazz stuff. This is like we're playing Weezer. Wait, wait hold on, less Claypool counts as advanced jazz. I have, I have literally no idea who that is. I just you pulled out a name that I hadn't heard, so I was like, this must be jazz. Oh, Primus. Oh, okay. All right. He's okay. like considered to be one of the greatest rock and roll bases of all the time. Oh, okay, okay, matter. okay. All right. I'm a, no, I'm on the same page with you now. Yeah. No, no. So it was nothing advanced. It was just like, you know, just something like a good bass line. Like the, uh, you know, that hash pipe. That was kind of like the level of sophistication. But like that's being awesome. able to pick up an instrument and be like, yeah, I just like... I knew this, so I, I thought that was kind of cool. Do you want to explain um, to our listeners what that means, the thing you said about it being all the same notes but one uh, octave down? Yeah, so any instrument or a stringed instrument will have um, sort of the grid of notes on the fretboard, and when you push different locations and strum the strings, you'll get different notes. And if you were to go from a guitar, it'll have a certain pattern, and so in order to make uh, different notes and chords, you need to kind of learn the shapes and locations of all those notes on the guitar fretboard. And then if you switch over to a banjo or a ukulele, it's totally different shapes. And so it's the same basic concept of like, okay, you strum the string, you fret the strings and you strum them, but you're starting again in terms of building up the muscle memory and the locations of, okay, well, but how do I make this particular note? Um, And so, but on a guitar and a bass, um, the arrangement is the same. Uh, It's just one less string on a, or two less strings on a, on a bass. Um, and they're lower by one octave, so it, it makes the same music, just, you know, bassier by by sort of one step if you were on a piano, like one set of Yeah, so there you lower. go. So an, an octave is the space between uh, one musical pitch and its double. Yeah. Right, so so there's like some number of notes in between. This is where the it's the scale that people may be familiar with, you know. Uh, and if you're going down an octave, it means that you're going one whole... Uh, section down on the on the um on all the pitch that one could imagine from you know the lowest to the highest yeah and so it'll basically sound deeper in harmony, but in harmony but deeper yeah. yeah and you could go in the other direction you could play one octave higher and it would sound in harmony together so yeah because a, that that was a sorry go ahead. pianos with with 88 keys are what how many octaves is that it's like seven something like that yeah mm-hmm so you could imagine like, you know, you're just moving your hands. If you were on a piano, you would just be moving your hands down one set of identical keys. Yeah. 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 yeah that's that's cool. cool. It's not like a deep, it's not a deep fact, maybe not a fact that most people who didn't already know that knowledge will be able to go <laughs> apply. But if you were like, hey, I don't know if I really want to learn guitar or bass. I've heard people before who were kind of thinking about like, oh, okay, now I'm a grown up and I, I never really got too much into playing music when i was younger but i still like the idea of doing it and sometimes you can get hung up i'm like oh should i pick this instrument or pick that you're instrument? never too late you're ne- a you're never too late because i yeah. learned i felt like i was like way too old to learn i was in my early 20s and i'm like all these other people are decades ahead of me 
now or at least a decade ahead of me i'll never catch up why would i ever try to learn now but then now i get so much joy out of it 10 years later 15 years later i'm just playing a little bit at a time and then just slowly you know you know um, early last year pandemic time last year Mm -hmm. uh my i noticed that i was having a ton of fun so i play string instruments as well and i noticed that i was having a ton of fun playing my uh niece and nephew's toy ukulele right so i went and bought i went and bought a ukulele and i love playing it and then i noticed that my sister-in-law who's never played any string instrument as far as i know was also having a ton of fun playing the ukulele so i bought her a ukulele nice and she's actually now playing more ukulele than me she's doing great she's playing songs doing all kinds of stuff so you know like you said never too late yeah, ukulele is a fun instrument. You can, uh, like in a guitar, especially a full-size guitar, guitar, you need to build up some like finger strength yeah. and some of the chords. Not for a ukulele. You require a few fingers at once in the right positions. But a ukulele, you can play like if, you know, maybe arguably the sort of most important in pop music chord of a C. It's literally you just push one finger in one location. Yeah, it's, it's, the I mean, there's also, you know, uh, instruments that are, what is it called? Open chord instruments. Yes. So you can strum them and they're already playing a chord, which is really nice. Yeah, I have, <laughs> we have a toy kids ukulele for the, uh, Ellie and Thomas and like he's one. So uh, <laughs> fretting an instrument is a little far off. And so it's tuned, I've tuned it in an open way. And so if you just strum it, just like, which of course that's what they do is it go blang, 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 blang. And so instead of, instead of it making a kind of discordant uh, chord, it, it if you just strum it open, it sounds like something. Um, and so it's kind of pleasant and it sounds like they're going ding, 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 and like, so it's in this thing. in the room that I'm sitting in, which is uh, you know the room that I always record in when we do this, there is currently a uh, guitar, a banjo, a mandolin, and a Turkish saz. Hmm. Is a mandolin is a mandolin one of the ones that has the same tuning as a guitar, but in the opposite direction, so it's like less bassy than a guitar. A mandolin has the same tuning as a violin. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, and then the the saz is actually super interesting because it's like discordant tuning. It's like not uh, you can call it a balama. It's actually a balama saz, but it sounds beautiful. Cool, yeah, that'd be fun. I don't know in what way we could do anything useful musically. I guess we could like record a thing and send it to each other. Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, I've, I'm just yeah. used to like you play in person, but that's not a. It's not a right thing now. right now, but that's a great <laughs> fact that took us so many places. Yeah, that's fun. It just yeah. makes me happy to think about, about making music. So speaking of music, mm. fun fact. A weather forecast that tells you there's a 30% chance of rain doesn't actually mean there's a 30% chance of rain. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So... Um. Okay. <laughs> this is something that seems, I was... <laughs> there needs to be more disclaimers going on. Yeah, this is something I'm just shocked to learn because, you know, like many of us, probably you included, you see it in your weather app or on TV or whatever, and they say 30% chance of rain. And you're like, okay, I know what 30% means. Mm-hmm. Now I know what the chance of rain is. Nope, you don't. Yeah. So this is because weather forecasting is actually done using something called the probability of precipitation. That and seems reasonable. Yeah, it does. The definition of probability of precipitation is the likelihood of a measurable precipitation event, which is 0.01 inches, by the way, which mm-hmm. is basically nothing, at a location during a specific time period, mm-hmm. which still sounds a lot like, okay, there's a 30% yeah. chance that yeah, at least a tiny amount of rain will fall in the next however many hours in this place I'm at, right? Mm-hmm. 
but it's actually far more complicated than that because as I learned, the formula for calculating a probability of precipitation or POP as people in the know call it is confidence of precipitation developing times percent of area affected. Oh. So what that means so if the percent if it's measuring over like all of Vancouver and they're sure half of Vancouver will get rain and they're sure half won't get rain, it'll say 50%. That's right. Even though for me the answer is either 100 or 0. That's exactly right. It's a confidence value averaged over an area. So right. if they had 100% confidence that 30% of an area would get rain, the official forecast for the entire area would be 30%. So what we need is more fine grain. You need areas. really fine grain areas, right? But that so it doesn't actually tell you there's a 30% chance that the part of the area you'll in will get rain. You basically have no way to know that. It just tells you there's a 100% chance that 30% of the area. So what gets even so it's almost never 100% though, so that's where it gets even more complicated so it's like if there's 50 percent confidence that vancouver is going to get rain over say 40 percent then the total percentage chance probability of chance of rain is 20 percent which is just telling you that there's a 20 percent chance of rain there's a 20 percent chance that if there's rain you're in the area that got it right which would be like that might be kind of a close enough approximation if rain fell equally over the whole area or like randomly (laughs) Right, which like, neither of those things are totally not true. Works. Right, like especially <laughs> in a Roger area, like we have mountains on the north side of Vancouver, and so it rains like twice as much up there than it does here because like the clouds come in and they hit the mountains and the rain drops out. Right, and so depending where you are, if you're on a hill, if you're closer to the ocean, you could ha- you could be way more likely to get rain. And so when it says there's like <laughs> when it says there's fifty percent, it might just be like yeah, those poor suckers on on the mountainside. They're definitely getting some rain today. And it's just like totally useless. Like if there's a 50% confidence and a 40% area, how in any way is it helpful for me to have a 20% chance that A, they're right, and B, I'm in that 40%? Well, so (laughs) it's just completely. If that's like, I guess, and then another question that falls out of that is like, how accurate are the models geographically? Like, do. Like, because we often joke about like, oh, the weather forecast is never right, or they have no idea what they're talking about, or the models are always so chaotic. But like, is if we could just get the premium feed where it was like weather prediction for my block, would it just actually be more accurate? Well, so apparently, according to a meteor, I don't know the answer. I'll start with it saying that. But the, there was a meteorologist in one of the threads I read about to learn about this. And by the way, if you look into this, it's fascinating because this is everything I said comes with like ten caveats. And, like, it's all super confusing. And if you read, like, some definitions, they won't say all of this, and then others will. Like, you know, it, it's it's just, it seems like total madness. But one meteorologist basically said that, like, your best bet is to watch the, we- the a hyper-local weather report. Because what apps and stuff are telling you is just this probability stuff. And they're not taking into account, like what like the thing you know like you said about the mountains are more likely to be whatever and this area gets this at this time of year and so a a good meteorologist like the value of an expert is that they can look at all this and say okay yeah this is true but it's not going to matter for you you know or like Mm -hmm. yeah you're definitely getting rain or this or that and so and apparently uh if you watch those these weather reports because they know that nobody understands any of this and, and also because they don't explain any of this, they just have like keywords of like, we're very fairly certain of, and then that means like that has roughly this, 
yeah, this percentage and or, you know, other like, you know, things that they'll say that, that, that are basically just like hints to people who who understand any of this as to how this all works, which it the whole thing just seems. I mean, at some point it starts to sound like a grift, right? It's like, <laughs> why? Why do you not just big weather? Me? Yeah, exactly. Why is big weather not willing to admit that they don't know? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know? we know they don't know. You're just like, oh, well, at least you're in Pacific Northwest. It's just like every day it might rain. Sometimes it does. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, it, that by number of days in Seattle, it rains more than 300 or something but they actually get more rain in houston you know hmm. so i at least when i was growing up i don't know if it's changed but i i think that it's just it's just so weird and then we because we kind of all learned a little bit about this when dark sky showed up right i don't know dark if sky, ever made its way to canada oh dark sky didn't didn't come to canada i i think like when it very first came out it didn't have is it discontinued now? Can you get it anymore? Well, yeah, Apple bought it. It's you still can get it for another year. Oh, okay. But so Dark Sky was like really, really impressive because what Dark Sky admitted was that the end part of that, the the time window of these uh, predictions, matters a lot. So they can tell you with complete certainty or a very high degree of certainty if it that it's going to rain within like the next thirty minutes. Yes. And right. then within 12 hours, it's like, mm, eh, yeah. Eh. And then like the chaos theory, whatever, has an exponential uncertainty increase over time. Oh, look, on the Dark Sky website, they actually admit this. So if you go to their help page, they say the probability of precipitation is simply a statistical probability of 0.01 inch or more of precipitation at a given area in the given forecast area in the time period specified. There you go. So so if the if the forecast for a given location says there's a 40% chance of rain this afternoon, then there's a 40% chance of rain at any point in that location for noon to 6 p.m. local time, which actually is different than the thing that I told you, because like I said, none of this is consistent or makes any sense. So when you see POP, it's not the actual literal chance of you in your exact location. No, it's a mess. Which makes some amount of sense. Like, I, that kind of has to be true. As soon as like, when you say that, you're like, well, there's 30% chance of showers. Like, does it rain completely across all of the Vancouver, whatever is, like, defined as Vancouver all simultaneously? Does it all start raining at the same time and then all stop at the same time? Like, no, of course it doesn't do that, right? Usually, you, yeah. sometimes you, you're in, it's raining on you and you can see that it's clear, like, a mile away or the other way around. You can see that it's raining a mile away. That's right, exactly. And you're just like, oh, okay. I mean, you know, I've I've seen it where it's raining on one tree, you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That one angry cloud. Yeah. But if you search for pop rain, at least in Ecosia, you will get the Korean uh, entertainer rain. Pop rain. Oh, pop singer. Yeah, I just searched for pop for percentage of precipitation. Oh, interesting. Because it says probability of precipitation. Or probability of precipitation. Oh, really? Well, I'm using Ecosia. Oh, well, <laughs> okay. All right. So I made fun of you for a couple of years. I was like, well, just Google it. And you're like, actually, I duck, duck, goat it. And so like, now that I finally switched to duck, duck, go, you're like, actually, yeah, I have to be, bam, now I'm in even more. Okay, I, I have to be more hipster than that. But the thing is, I, it's not that it's that they plant trees for every search you do. And I've planted 3,028 trees. You've planted 3,000 trees. Yeah. Like that? Every search removes one kilogram of CO2. Wait, hold on. No, no, no. It's, I think it it's a divide, divider. No, I've, I've done 3,000 trees. That's super cool. Hmm. Hmm. All right. I got to dig into this a little bit. Because uh, over the many years of, as an internet citizen, 
I've gone from at one point I used, I don't remember what it was like a whole browser or something like that, where there was one of these things that add all sorts of crap to your computer. But then it was like, oh, and then we saved the environment. But then like, kind of turned out this like, are they really actually doing anything? And like, I've been, I've been adjacent to or evolved in or pitched on or tried out many schemes. Yeah, but Alan, these people are German. Well, I mean, honestly, I noticed that and that trust made me trust it more. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If it's not Silicon Valley, you know, Silicon Valley is good at certain things, but like, you know, making the world better is like not always like their thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. I'm going to, I'll put it on my list of things. To, to yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll like reserve making fun of you for a cozy in your search terms. But like when, Thank when you. like we have this project of trying to bring information to the world, it's a sensitive uh-huh. thing for you to be maybe not getting the best search results. So I don't know. I guess I, I have to search yeah. Alan Pike and to find out if it really is actually good. But is it really different? On, hold on. I'm going to try DuckDuckGo. No, it's just like Go. exactly. I think this is just Bing results, actually. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah. So DuckDuckGo does not bring me rain. Oh, rain is on the top 10. Yeah, it's just Bing. Duck, it's Go. just Bing. Okay. So it's not like Ecosia is like inventing their own search. for. I, I guess I kind of no, just would No, God, no, 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 no. That would, that be, would be terrible. They're basically just fronting on Bing and then Bing is giving them enough ad revenue or whatever that they for can them to plant, uh, trees. plant trees. Okay. Yeah, plant trees and like run their business. Yeah, mostly plant trees though. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Fun fact: um, if you search Alan Pike, you may come across the fact that I am now recently become probably the most famous Alan Pike, at least spell A L E N. But the second most famous Alan Pike is a bodybuilder, (laughs) 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 and it's just. I kind of love that because if it was like another like <laughs> programmer that like ran an app company, I'd be like very frustrated. But the fact that they're like this buff black guy that like has videos of them, like kicking butt in bodybuilding. I'm just like, that's just, I don't know. Like it. I just want all of our listeners to pause this podcast when I'm done saying what I'm about to say and, and Google for Alan, which is clearly what he wants you to do what, no. and see what Alan Pike co-host of fun fact looks like in terms re bodybuilding <laughs> not, not so much not so much like my and, main forte and what and what alan pike bodybuilder looks like is, there let's just say there is a a uh there's a disparateness there there's a there's, it's, it's like if they, they had like the the equivalent of have you seen or i don't want to spoil anything but like in the in the loki show they have this idea of like metaverse and like different yeah people can come uh, have no, very different outcomes based on yeah. i don't know and i don't feel like there's any like outcome where also, i would have end up variant like other Alan Pike, but I don't know. Or you're his, I think you're his variant. To be I, maybe, yeah. I'm the one. <laughs> <I'm the, laughs> yeah. This photo of you, there's like a, the, one of the photos that comes up, at least on Ecosia, is of you like with your hands in the air like, what? <laughs> but the but the, the words say delightful possibilities. That's the kind of thing I would put on a slide. Yeah, it's true. But you, you, your face does not match the words, I will say. Although I think they were intended somewhat uh, sarcastically, perhaps. Yeah, I think it was. I think I was complaining about JavaScript. Yeah, yeah. That's I think kind of thing I would do. It's a cute um, picture of your children. <laughs> There's pictures of my children on Nicosia. They got everything. Yeah. All right. They got everything. They have everything. Well, they have. They know your blog exists. This is the weirdest episode of this show. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have to do my other fact. I think we're goofy enough to make it fun. I don't know. We'll see. I think it's my fact time, though, isn't it? No, no. you just did a fact. Was that not your fact? What did it, that I'm making fun of Ecosia? 
No, the, the two Alan Pikes are, are so disparate. That wasn't a fun No, thing. that was just a joke about the Cozia and me searching Alan Pike. Oh, I thought you were... That, I thought you were literal. I was, like, going to shame you for your literal fact being about how famous you are no, on what? search no. engines. That was just a side <laughs> thing about... No, 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 no. All right, okay. Okay. I'm ready so for before you. We get to before we get to my second fact, yeah. I want to thank everybody who has been leaving reviews on the Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah. Which, mm-hmm. after however many we years, have... I started actually calling Apple Podcasts instead of iTunes. <laughs> we, if you'd like to do that, you, you can send us a message. We'll see it. Maybe you can suggest a topic. Tell us how great we are or how we can improve. But you can also send yeah. tweets. We like those, too. Especially if it's how we can improve, maybe do the tweet that way. Yeah, if you think there's any fun fact that would be shocking to us and we'd be excited to learn about, let us know. Yeah, it's always fun. Have fun fact FM. So, I have a fun fact. I'll try not to let this get too out of hand because I know this is the kind of thing we could end up talking about for too long. But I just wanted to share it and talk about it a little bit. Fun fact, in Canada, you can order a Tesla with only 93 miles of range. With... With only 93 miles of range. So, fun fact, to your fun fact, that is more range than my e-golf had. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. So, for some context for people who are not in the in the mindset of electric car shopping yet, they're still kind of waiting for things to evolve before they dive in and start kind of figuring out how much range is a, a car normally have. In the USA, the shortest range Tesla you can get has 263 like miles, yeah. and a lot of them will have you know hundreds more um, than that. And so to get a Tesla with 93 miles of range is really uh, curious and is by far, at least in Canada, the least range you can get on a new electric car. Today. I assume this has something to do with incentives. It has something to do with incentives. Money, <laughs> yeah. it's a scheme, Arik, and that's why... If we're back on Scheme we're Corner. We're Scheme Corner, one of the OG corners, perhaps the original corner. That's a, a fun fact. That's an OG corner, yeah. Scheme Corner. So why why would they sell a $45,000 vehicle with only 93 miles of range? It seems like that would be a pretty bad deal. But more importantly, who would buy that? Who would buy that? <laughs> um, and um, it, it, apparently, uh, almost no one, the, there's some yeah. numbers released um, where it's like in the, like. 1.1% of something like that of total sales. Um, and so how does this come about and why, why do they offer that? Well, when you go in Canada to buy a Model 3, which is the baseline Tesla, there's a default to like, oh, standard range, blah, 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 or standard range plus or something like that. And then there's a little checkbox that says you can check it to limit to 151 kilometers of range or 93 miles of range. And when you do that, it decreases the price from 51K to 45K. Which doesn't mm. seem like a really good deal for having like a quarter no. of the range to just like have a slight decrease in prices. Like almost no one would want that. And like it's one of the most important attributes of, of a car is like, can it get like even out of town and back? Um, but it's interesting that it brings you to 45K because that's also the retail price of the VW ID4, the Kiro Nero, Kia Nero EV, the BMW i3. In Canada, a lot of EVs cost $45,000. You'll be shocked to learn that that is the price that you must sell an EV for if you want to approve for $8,000 in government incentives. <laughs> Specifically, Tesla, most of them are priced at like $44,900 or maybe $44,950, but Tesla prices it at $44,999 and then puts like $1,800 of fees on top because they're allowed to up charge up to like $1,800 <laughs> of fees. So it's like the very most like twist the dagger trolling scheme minimum 
so that they have technically they offer a version for under 45k and then in practice most of the people are buying the first 60k but so this is this is this is basically if the car is in their lineup even though no one's buying it then everyone who it must buys be nominally the, the same model right but if it, oh okay so so does that oh that's interesting so it's the model three that they do this on it's or the, the model, model y three. yeah the model y is they couldn't get uh in canada they couldn't get a model y down to 45k and so the uh, the model three starts at 44 999 with this like weird thing the model y starts at like 70 grand right okay so the model three which the one you would actually buy is how much roughly 52 okay so but that then you get an eight thousand dollar government credit if you buy the 52k one yes you still get an eight thousand dollar government credit because, because they the base offer a forty five thousand yes base model yes but because they don't offer a base model of the model y you don't get any money off the seven yeah or the higher end teslas like the model x the giant ones and the hundred thousand dollar ones they don't get incentives the only cars they get an incentive for the ev incentive are ones where the base model is 45k or less but that's like, very pretty much silly. every ev in canada costs at least 40k so it's like really just right. every because all the high-end ones that could get themselves possibly down to 45k really have like kind of squished themselves down to that price point and then you can't it's pretty difficult to produce a good ev with a, like sufficient range for really less than 40k and so you kind of i basically the really basement basic ev is like 40k and like one of the, some of the best ones are like 45 which is kind of funny so i think this is a misguided policy because on the one hand i understand i think i understand what they're trying to achieve which is that they want there to be cars available for less money and they don't want in you know evs to just be a high-end thing but the problem with that is that canada doesn't really have enough muscle as a market to compel car companies to actually produce cars for that price. So all they're getting is that Tesla will throw them a bone if they could get close enough barely to do that. And the other companies as well will create versions that no one should buy just for that price point. So what that means is they don't really exist as a thing in the market. And so instead, they're missing the point of EV incentives, which to my mind is to subsidize the cost of EVs because they're more expensive so that more people are driving EVs so that we can save the planet. Yeah, but that's not, I mean, that would be true if there was no EVs on, like, at that 45 or under price mark. But there's a bunch of like Hyundai's and Kia's and, and like when Toyota and Honda and all of them come out with their EVs, they'll all be under that mark as well. And so for people who are buying like sort of tip normal cars, the sort of cars that like, you know, the median car buyer might consider, like the median car buyer or like even probably 75% of car buyer is going to be pretty skeptical about spending more than 45k anyway. And so to take $8,000 per person and subsidize people who can afford 60, 70, $80,000. Yeah. Cars. See, this is, this is, I knew I assume this was where you were going, but the problem with that logic is it's a very easy thing to sell. It's like, why are we giving money to people who can already afford the car? Right. But that's again, ignoring the point that I'm trying to make, which is that if I'm a buyer who has 70,000 canadian to spend and i'm i'm trying to decide between a tesla or a gas car you want to incentivize me to buy the tesla because it has no idea no it doesn't matter that i can technically afford a more expensive car you want me to buy a, an ev because you want there to be less gas cars on the road at, at every price point you want the the ev to be cheaper yeah and i i think i mean no, i just think 
that is definitely an argument that is occurring because like once this came out that like tesla is like abu- kind of abusing this system and yeah kind of for scheme. Sure. i mean that's what tesla there's does. of course there's a tesla does like technically it's legal like don't sue us haha troll face so when that came out there was two contingents of people there's one contingent of people that were like um hey uh, this just shows that we should just have this because the argument you just made that we should just have this rebate for anybody and like yeah okay someone buys a Bentley and then they may be slightly more likely to buy an electric Bentley it's still one less gas guzzling car and probably like if you can get an EV Bentley it's probably saving even more gas than like if someone converted yeah. their little Kia or something right um, and so yeah. there's people arguing that but then there's other group of people who are like see this is why like you know Tesla <laughs> Tesla drivers are actually horrible people and we shouldn't yeah. even offer this to Tesla at all and this should be revoked and really should just be for but again the, who the, can the point of this is not to feel better than Tesla drivers. I mean, have fun with that. But like, you know, like, but you can I see mean, how I this will tell you would that. create a, a debate. So in the U.S., the policy at the moment is that uh, the the federal credit runs out when the car company has produced over a lifetime uh, some number of cars. Right. And sold it's trying them. to motivate the car makers to start selling things rather than motivating individuals. That's to right. Change. But but it penalizes companies like tesla mm. which are only ev companies so because of course they've already hit that m- number because all they make is evs yes and so that's why in the next round of of ev credits that are that the biden administration is trying to make happen right now they're going to raise the credit which is cool but also they're going to switch their incentive to be that you only get it or you only get the most amount i think if the majority of your car is built in the u.s sure. which is also pro- a problematic incentive but it's a different problematic incentive i mean yeah i guess i mean we won't get into the <laughs> the pros and cons of like protectionistic economic. yeah there are pros and cons that's all i'm saying yeah. that's all i mean by problematic here not that it's all bad but i mean, just, I mean pros and cons. like that's the kind of thing that's like gets thrown in where it's like okay there's people who oppose this or like people are on the fence about this if we throw them a bone and say look oh and it's good for the economy and it's like oh okay well then fine like yeah we'll get you your you evs know. and then also like go america manufacturing cool um apparently the id4 they're going to be making in tennessee so it's not yeah. just tesla i mean the id4 is already out but they're going to be making them also in tennessee yeah um yeah so i don't know i just thought it was interesting it was a scheme people were angry about it um but you know it seems to have helped get some some evs on the road and a little bit less carbon footprint going around especially in states like uh bc and ontario where we have a lot of hydro um electric power it's good to have those evs out on the road yeah i used to think that the evs would just move the problem from the cars to the power plants and that that would hide the problem and then no one would deal with it but now i realize that was dumb because it is exactly the point that they will move the problem from people's cars to the power plant and that's a benefit because it's really really hard to change everybody's car it's much easier to change 10 power plants yeah to be powered by solar or wind or whatever and apparently even if the power plants are fossil fuel i believe this like were like substantially better like carbon uh, footprint per mile i think for most fossil fuel plants that once because they're just way more efficient at scale i think i believe yeah so i've been starting to kind of agitate to maybe put in a pre-order for one of these various Forty nine 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 forty four nine 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 vehicles. Well, we should save that for after. We'll do that after. But that's but that's very exciting. Uh, but no one yeah wants to hear us talk about that anyway. So we can just end the show and then we can talk about it. And you know, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay, everyone's gone now, right? Oh, oh, you're all gone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Everybody's not here anymore. So yeah, so you're gonna pre-order a an electric car. Yeah. Well, they we're just get some dinosaur very... juice out of your. Yeah, I gotta get the dinosaur juice. It still bothers me, Eric. We've been talking about this for like I, a year. <laughs> I'm like, I'm buying a pl- I'm buying a home. I don't. I, we have a garage. I don't really want to have this like car fumes in my house. And you're like, Alan, that's not an actual <laughs> problem. People don't worry about no. this. You're not gonna no, care. No, it's not a problem. And then it's like a year yeah. later, and I still care. <laughs> Well, that's because it has more to do with your Alan Pike bodybuilderness and less to do with. The, well, I just have to keep my physique up with all these that's right, hydrocarbons that's right. in the garage, and then like leaking. Yeah, I did sealing around the door, but no, oh it's not. God. It's not good enough. Okay. So, <laughs> but are you not like leaving the car running in the garage, right? Because that's actually dangerous. well, you want it to be warmed up for him because you need it. Ah, you know, so one nice thing about the the Tesla is it will you can you don't need to it. leave the engine running twenty four seven just to make well that's sure. true too, but you can also tell it when you're going to leave and have it at climate at that time. Yeah, I'm curious. I don't know if the other ones have it. So I'm the some of them probably. So do. I bet I think some of them do. Probably most of them do, but I'm not. I'm, yeah. My sense is that what you get for the so recap of like where i am at and why i'm like considering buying another car uh or i'm not another but like a new car is that we have this golf um and it's just now that we have two kids it's not really big enough and we're making it do but it's like a probably time to have a bit bigger car um and so but i in 2021 it feels like buying another gas car is just not the way um and so i've been agitating for or like just frustrated that there isn't a lot of wagons because what we have is a wagon i would want like a bigger wagon um i'm you and i are the only two people in the world who want a wagon and so <laughs> it's like okay it needs like a small suv but everyone in europe it's you me and everyone in europe me you and everyone in europe um yeah. but here in canada in the united states no wagon so looking yeah, at the small suv but like medium-sized kind of suv like big enough that you can get some fa- like kind of family yeah yeah you space. need space in but there. that's like really just in 2021 they're finally coming out with evs that are like that um and so yeah, that's kind of like fit the bill and so i'm um, especially in particular ones that are like designed from scratches and evs so you get a whole bunch of benefits where it's like more space inside it's more efficiently laid out there's a bunch of wins that you get out of that and so the t- there's basically two that are kind of coming out this fall and then like the next like four months that you can pre-order and that like i'm can looking at which is the volkswagen id4 and the ionic 5 which are both these kind of like crossover e suv and i've been thinking about maybe just putting because like i was like looking into a little bit how long the pre-orders are and apparently they're getting fairly long a lot of people are pre-ordering them and so if i actually want to get one in the next like year you probably need to pre-order it now rather than wait until there's a ones just sitting on the lot and then test driving one it could be like 2023 um so i would recommend as your lawyer or actually just as your friend i i have driven one of those two cars yeah and you were saying that it like wasn't as fun as a tesla it's not not listen you're right that it's not as fun as a tesla but it's also like half the cost of a tesla Mm -hmm. uh it's it's not as fun as an e-golf I think so. I tried to ask you this before, but I think you maybe said you didn't know. Do you do you know whether or not it was the all wheel drive or the just the two wheel drive or the real wheel drive version that you were driving? I am. I assume it was mm, because I was you, reading about that a little bit. And the so we're talking about the Volkswagen, the ID four. Yeah. The ID four supposedly accelerates from uh, zero to sixty in just under six seconds um, in the all wheel drive configuration. Um, and my golf wagon 
accelerates to zero sixty in nine point something seconds, <laughs> which is like fifty percent slower than that. Except that the the Golf Wagon its acceleration is like loaded more towards when it's getting to speed. Like it it kind of like kind of lurches off the line and then starts to get some acceleration. So I think the acceleration off the line in the all wheel drive ID four will probably be twice as much as the vehicle that i have right now yeah that wasn't really the problem so okay so first of all i'm pretty sure i drove the rear wheel one because i think the first edition is only available in rear wheel drive okay so i'm pretty sure that's that's the case uh but i i I, it wasn't listen i've driven a lot of evs now Mm -hmm. at a lot of price points Mm -hmm. and it just there's a there's kind of a magic to driving EVs. Like it's not it's not just like oh Tesla it's so fast that it's silly. It's that there's just something really fun. EVs are not just better for the environment. They're just better cars. Mm. They're more mm-hmm. fun. And there's a there's a funness that's just completely missing from at least the ID4 rear wheel drive that I drove. It's not just like a pure speed because how often do I actually just floor it. jam the the gas, right? It's like complete not a real thing but it's just like didn't feel zippy at any speed and it, it just it didn't feel fun to like there was just an element of fun like i'm telling you the e-golf was not a fast car this is like the steering wheel looseness you get in some cars where it's kind of like feels a little sloppy maybe yeah it's like you're almost playing a video game instead of driving yeah. it's like it just wasn't uh it it, it, it wasn't you feel connected and, and you know my my yeah, my my sister in law who owned the e golf before me, she and I were test driving it together, and she felt the same way. She was like, there was something really magical about driving the e golf, mm-hmm. which by the way did like nine point six seconds to sixty. Right, so it was not fast. So it was like my not fast, significantly slower than the uh, than the um, ID four, but it was just so fun to drive. It just like. It was really, really lovely to drive. And the ID4 was just really a disappointment. It just felt very unintentional, very unmagical. And so uh, if if I was going to choose between the ID4 and the... Also, the the ID4 is, is actually a pretty good-looking car, and the interior is pretty nice. But there is something incredibly cool about the Ionic 5. Yeah, it's like It's so weird and weird. 80s yeah. and cool and weird. And I've heard that it's really fun to drive and much peppier. So... I would be much more excited about a Hyundai Ionic 5 than I would be about the ID4. I don't know from a practical standpoint, like I'm not sure which one has a bigger trunk or like whatever, whatever, but like the the Hyundai Ionic 5 is like, that's a cool car. I would be really, you also could consider, I don't know if it's coming to Canada, but the Kia EV6, I, my sense which is, is basically the, the same platform as the Ionic 5. My sense 5. is that the EV6 will be like, um, very similar in a lot of ways and like i was watching a couple of little videos of people who'd driven more expensive five and there, yeah there's like the ev6 is like a slightly more expensive uh ionic five mm. with like a couple tweaks around like oh well the steering is a little bit more this way and this is a, the acceleration curve is a little bit different and they they the, it looks a little bit different I, per, I personally prefer the look of the ionic five but i would be like super fussed about me it. too um yeah. we ev6 is a little weird looking um but uh um, it's also, I think is going to come out later. And one of the things that like instigated all this is like, we just went camping and crammed an ungodly amount of contents into this golf <laughs> to bring two kids camping. <laughs> and it was like, mm, what happens if next summer we had more space? That would be a good thing. We had a similar thought. And so we've actually ordered a new car mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. 
now we went a little bit of a different direction. Yeah, so you were thinking in like more of a compact SUV, maybe like a little bit smaller and nimbler than a, than a <laughs> Get something for the parallel parking in the city. <laughs> so we have pre-ordered a Rivian R1S, mm-hmm. which is a ludicrously large car. It's it by, by the way, it does zero to sixty in three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and has a quad motors and can drive up like a 45 degree incline and go in four feet of water. But like it, it is just a beautiful old school looking kind of Range Rover looking thing, but it's like the size of like, it's almost the size of like a Escalade or something. I mean, the, the it's huge. yeah, it's like if a Range Rover, like a Range Rover had a love child with like a MacBook pro charger but then, but then it was bigger. <laughs> like it was like, it's a beautiful it, car. I mean, I don't know what you think, but I think it's gorgeous. yeah. I, I, I mean, I have a lot of kind of resentment for the modern pickup truck or big truck as a pedestrian and like the giant grills where like they have been quoted. Designers of some of these pickup trucks have been quoted as like they literally want people to be scared of the vehicle. And so to see this, okay, instead, this is not one of those. This is the opposite of that. Where it's like has this yeah. appley smooth aesthetic, where even though it's large yeah. and like you know still has like a, as a pedestrian, I'm not fond of how tall the hood line is and how easy it would be for a pedestrian to get pulled under the vehicle. Um, not to like put doom and gloom in your mind when you're driving this vehicle, but it wow, is wow, that is doom in, and gloomy in Europe, as I understand it. There are pedestrian safety guidelines around. Um, how cars are designed that are not the case in North America. And supposedly that's been a big contributor to the higher and higher roof lines of these trucks, which are thought of as being a contributor to why pedestrian fatalities have been going up in the States. But what I was trying to say about this particular vehicle is it has much more of a, of a like friendly feel in its design compared to the the, uh, Chevrolets and the, Fords and stuff like that that have increasingly had this style of like okay let's make a grill that looks like it might shred you or something it's this yeah. is much nicer well but just 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 for just for your own edification so the the length of the id4 mm-hmm. 180.5 okay. inches i guess would you rather yeah uh, and the rivian the, the rivian r1s is 202 okay so way longer yeah and like um the the width of a ID4 is 72.9 the Rivian is 79 and the height of a of a ID4 is 64.4 and the Rivian is uh 72 mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. it is just a huge huge car it's the it's the one thing i'm i'm least excited least excited about about it but the thing for us is that there are only two electric vehicles at the moment that are, are seven seaters real seven yeah. seaters mm-hmm. the this one and model, the model y X. claims to be a seater it's just this one in the Model X. And the Model X costs $120,000 <laughs> US. So, uh, and it's all for those gullwing doors that I don't mm-hmm. want. So, uh, I'm also very excited to be leaving the Tesla family of products. Um, but the the Rivian, it's it's if anyone saw the uh the Apple TV show Long Way Up with you and McGregor, uh they had the Rivians on that one. They're just these beautiful cars that seem very well designed and I really like coming in from it as a Tesla owner. The fact that the R1S is delayed by a year and what they decided to do at that time was just do more quality assurance and testing and factory work makes me very happy, right? Like, 
the 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 Tesla Model Three and Model Y are like famous for panel gaps and quality control issues, and it just seems like the they with the, the tolerances and stuff for the Rivian are just really high. So that makes me very very excited. But I won't have the car until uh, January, so it's going to be a little while before before I can give a review. But it sounds like you might also not have a car for around that time. So we at the, that that time we can do comparative uh, reviews. Yeah, it will be a totally equal <laughs> showdown in between my like <laughs> base model Hyundai and <laughs> this like fortress. I'm no, I'm super excited about the Hyundai. Like if I could, uh, if I if the Hyundai made sense for my needs. I would totally do it. By the way, the 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 Rivian they sell a tent mm, yeah, I heard that about this. mounts on the roof of the car. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a fascinating vehicle. I my instinct. I'm already a little nervous about this, like idea of pre-ordering um, the one of these, or bo- we we're talking about maybe pre-ordering both of them. Well, it's then, a it's a refundable deposit. Yeah, refundable deposits, but like being potentially one of the first recipients of a totally new model that's on a new drivetrain. Um, cause like, you're not actually going to be one of the first recipients who live in Canada in the first six months for the first 12 months of recipients of like, they're still working out the hinks, um, or if that, whatever okay. hinks that there are, but that's a whole nother ball game. Then this is literally the first vehicle from this company. Like that's like, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, yeah, really, yeah. I think this, cause I think Rivian is the first big, like highly anticipated or maybe at least the most highly anticipated new uh, vehicle company since Tesla debuted. Oh, for um, sure. And so sure, yeah. I think observing those sort of like what people say as they're getting them and experiences people are having about around this quality stuff will tell us how much of Tesla's uh, foibles is because of their move fast and break things sort of cowboy culture and how much of it is that yeah. it's really, 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 really hard to manufacture a vehicle at scale in a reliable way. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. So I didn't pre-order a launch mm-hmm. model. So they have a whole other trim that's coming out before that's supposed to ship actually within the next like month or okay. two. Uh, and I have a coworker who who bought one of those. So I'll hear from him. Which oh, will be and nice. so you have a chance I, to cancel be, still if he's like, oh, I got it. And actually it's Gong Show. And yeah. are reviews out yet of them? Like Yeah, their reviews are starting to come out. I think most of the reviews are for the R1T. That's the pickup. The pickup truck, but I, at least Motor Trend, I think, said it was the best truck they've ever driven. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. They were like, this is amazing. We love it. I like so. that it comes in actual colors. That's one of the things yeah, that I've me been too. very frustrated with in this trend of cars over the last five or ten years. It's like, oh, which gray do you want? <laughs> oh, I'll have slate gray. Oh, I'll have stone one- gray. <laughs> <laughs> one other thing that's really nice is that uh, they seem to be designing this car for drivers to drive as opposed to tesla which now designs cars mm-hmm. for a future theoretical self-driving time that may never come mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but no they the motor trend at least is love in their rivian so i'm uh i'm very it's annoyingly good is a quote from this uh article oh that's a great great way to start i think they're also they'll have a i mean a lot of the problems that tesla's been having is at the, like the model three end where they're trying to have a lot larger scale and a lot lower price points than what this totally the model s was very well received when it first came out and still is and i think that it it is true like this is a much lower scale market right like uh they're 
They're not. I mean, the Model Three and the Model Y are two of the like best selling cars. Period. Yes. Inter- yeah. And I think that the, the these Rivians are going to be much more niche for quite a while. Yeah. And so to be able to, you can at that scale then have like more senior trained people going through each vehicle as it goes through and watching what's happening yeah. and making fixes and That's testing right. like this thing of just like testing all the panel gaps and rejecting it and or sending it back to be fixed as opposed to it's like no the, the factory's got to keep moving like these are already been you know we got to move 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 like you know we're trying to scale up three more factories we don't have time to slow down this one like it's a very different set of problems that's right yeah i completely agree so i'm excited i wish it was here i have that same excitement that i had before the the model three mm-hmm. and that was that's really fun because you know we were we were gonna get a uh a model y and it's just like the same car we already have, but bigger. Yeah. And, and it just, it, it wasn't that exciting, you know? Yeah, I've never been excited by, an, I mean, well, I've never had a car that was even close to new before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hadn't either until I, and my first new car was the, pretty much the Model 3. So. Yeah. So it was an interesting, like, and I wouldn't, like, I've been very, I was like, kind of, I guess, raised on the idea of like, well, you get a used car that's relatively new, has low mileage, but it's if like, you know, two to five years old so that you save $10,000. So yeah. <laughs> but then, the depreciation is already baked in. Right. Depreciation yeah. is baked in, but it's still, it doesn't need to be brand new. Right. It just needs to be reliable. Right. And so that was always my mentality in all the cars that I had owned. I would you'd buy a car that was a few years old and then drive it for 10 years type of thing. But then I was like, okay, now I'm going to do this for an EV. So what I want is a 2018 <laughs> EV uh, SUV that's like <laughs> doesn't exist. Uh, and actually, it so literally, has not even come out now. And I'm like, okay. no, no, you, yeah, you're, you've got a few more years before Do I want you could buy. Just... And actually, used EVs right now is not really the vibe. Well, like used EVs, I mean, partially because they have, they're hard to get, and there's demand for them, and the batteries, the batteries are degrading. Well, there's two different, like, kind of. It seems like there's a kind of a bifurcated market because there's the there's the older generation of EVs where the batteries are, are degrading and so they become less valuable. But if you bu- try to buy a, like a two-year-old EV right now, because they're hard to get and the uh, component shortages and all these sort of things, like they're going for like retail price. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to get most of the, I'm certainly going to get the money I still owe on my car back, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that yeah. it's, yeah. I mean, looking into it at least like, the vehicles especially the most like desirable ones where it's just like maybe we'll get like a one-year-old version of the like, i don't know if i really want a rav4 prime i kind of didn't it's like an interesting trade-off is like a kind of plug-in hybrid or whatever it's like well what would like a used one price and it's like the like selling on craigslist for fifty thousand dollars when they're like nominally forty five thousand dollars it's like mm-hmm, okay that doesn't solve any problem yeah, i have maybe i'm good yeah yeah, yeah for sure <sighs> i still feel awkward about spending that amount of money on it of course but i'm saving the environment so that makes it okay right that's <laughs> <laughs> like how much carbon goes into like making the vehicle and all the plastics this is why i use a cozia as my search engine i need Alan. to switch to a cozia and then i can switch to a myself of the guilt of like pre-ordering multiple 40 something thousand yeah. dollar vehicles yeah, you better get yeah. I yeah, I guess you could pre-order both and then make your decision then, right? But that's it. my ideal would be because they're saying if you want to pre if they if you want to test drive it that they're doing test drives for people with pre-orders first. Um oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. that by the time you get a chance to test drive it, the pre-order list will be really long. 
And so pre-order now, what do you have to lose? You have literally nothing to lose except you're lending them some money for a few months. Yeah, exactly. So I think that I may end up pre-ordering both. Um, I challenge you to do that tonight. Okay. We can do the configurator yeah. now. What color do we think I should get? Well, which gray do I want? <laughs> it doesn't matter. You could change the color before you take possession of the car. Oh, you can change all the stuff? Yeah, at least for Rivian you can, and Tesla too. I don't, I don't know. know if Hyundai is as fancy as Rivian. You should investigate that, but I'm pretty sure you can. Yeah, I mean, you can get your money back. So worst case scenario, if we decide. I, That's I'd right, like you just see the don't. person, but the colors that's right yeah. but just just do it like you'll be so happy you did because if you decide you want one of them you'll be set up okay ionic five <laughs> yeah do, i mean literally do it after we hang up because i don't really okay i'll just okay so we've got cyber gray lucy oh yeah okay i, I will i know i'll play this game so yeah, i need to go to the okay. hyundai <laughs> this is all getting cut of course this is all... no, shooting <laughs> oh, yeah, star all right configure now okay i guess i'm just gonna get the white so, one. you're gonna get the white well both two reasons one is the other colors are boring and bad and then the other is that it's like zero dollars for white you don't have to pay Aww. extra oh they're like this is this thing now they're like oh you